0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Too Much, Part 4. Enjoy. Because God wants to, you to be absolutely doubtless yeah. and know how much He loves you. Amen. And that really will solve every problem that you've got if you just realize how much He cares for you. And that's what we're going we're gonna to do this morning. We're going to grow in His love for us. And unfortunately, oftentimes, coming to church has not been a loving experience for people. And they haven't learned about God's love. They've learned about law. And they've learned about um, how they don't measure up. But God fixed that when he gave us Jesus. So we want you to know, if it's your first time here, welcome. We bless you in Jesus' name. Yes. And we just encourage you just to put everything else aside. And focus on how much God loves you yeah. this morning. Yeah. And he's never going to stop loving you no matter what you do. Nothing can change his maximum love for you. Nothing can cause his 100% love for you to decrease even 0.03%. Okay? This is a new year and we're not... I, I heard something said about Bill Belichick that I liked they were interviewing some coaches about him, and Bill Belichick is the coach of the, uh, the Giants, if you don't know. And, <laughs> no, he's coach the Patriots. But uh, they were interviewing him, and they were talking to Joe Torrey, and uh, I forget if it was Red Auerbach, I forget who the coaches were. And one of the coaches, they were talking about what he's, what he's done as a coach, and they said, one of them, I, I was struck by their comment, they said, one thing that we've noticed about Bill and, is that he has no rearview mirror. I like that. Get rid of your rearview mirror. Not in your car. Use that one. But in your life, don't look back. You can't go back there. You don't want to go back there. It's a new day. It's a new year. Rearview mirror, uh uh-uh. We're looking forward. We're moving forward. It's 2018. It's a year of too much. Too much of God's love, too much of God's provision. It's a year of abundance, a year of prosperity, a year of, of fatness. It's a year of super abundance. And we learned last week that God wants to bless every family on earth. I mean, that's too much. You know, I could see blessing 100 families, you know, a 1,000, uh, 10,000, 100,000, a million. But every family on earth, God is totally set on blessing them. In fact, he he doesn't want to just bless them. He wants to live with them. He doesn't want to just live with them. He wants to live inside of them. He wants to inhabit people. It's called marriage, right? I married my wife not because I wanted to be with her. I wanted to live with her for the rest of my life. And nothing else, you know, just being friends wasn't going to cut it. We had to be in the same house, same life, same decisions, living each day together. and That's what marriage is. And God, our, our relationship with the Father, that's what he wants. He wants to be with us intimately united, right? Going through each day, helping us make every decision, helping us experience the abundant life Christ came to give us. And that's what we're doing. And it all started, we found, with a man named Abe, not Abe Lincoln, But Abraham, Uh, and we went back into Genesis, and we're going to look at Abraham some more because there's too much in Abraham's life that we want to get a hold of. Let's look at, uh, let's see, let's look at the definition of faith. We learned that Abraham followed God by faith, and that's a religified word, and we want to de-religify that for you. Faith is not hoping or wishing for something. That's not faith. Faith is being sure and certain. It's knowing something. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. It's being able to see things that your eyes might not be able to see right now. It's seeing things with your heart that your senses may not be able to detect, but it's more real. All right? And Colossians 1 gives us a definition of faith. And boy, I love this thing. And this is how Colossians in the Amplified Translation defines faith. Let's grab a hold of this. Let's let God take us deeper and higher. Faith is, oh, we just went off the board there. Let's try that again. Faith is, I'll read it to you as they get it up. It's the leaning of your entire human personality. You guys are fast. Woo! Love it. Love these kids. The leaning of your entire human personality why don't you adjust? Let's do this. Yes. The Bible's no fun unless you do it. That's right. It really is. What a boring book if you don't do it. Yeah. I mean, the fun is doing it, right? Yeah. D- applying it, getting into it, experiencing it. I mean, I love going to a good restaurant, but I'm going there because I want to eat. Yes. I mean, the Brazilian grill is no fun unless you, you, you go through that, bo- around and around that buffet table, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let's eat. Come on. We got, let's eat. Let's do this. The leaning of your entire human personality on Jesus, on God, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. Now, this takes a, a conscious decision right a daily decision to lean your whole self on him because satan's trying to condemn you he's trying to tell you what a failure you've been how you've missed it and how you shouldn't have done that and you can't do this and and you know god's not pleased with you and and the world's telling you things about yourself that aren't true and and maybe people who are in your own family might be telling you things that aren't true but you're leaning your whole personality so i have to consciously uh block out the noise and that's one of the things that I like. I guess it's getting close to the Super Bowl. I'm talking about the Patriots. They're good at blocking out the noise. And I've heard them, multiple players say that. We've we got to block out the noise. You've got to block out the noise in this world because it's a noisy place. Lots of voices trying to tell you who you are and who you aren't. But we're listening to one voice, and that's the voice of our Heavenly Father, and we're leaning our whole personality on Him in total trust and confidence in His power, not ours, in His wisdom and in His goodness. So Abraham followed God by faith, but what was it that Abraham was led by? What caused him to leave all that he was familiar with and and, and just step out and not even know where he was going? Do you remember from Genesis? What was it? The spoken word of God. God spoke to him. You know, he didn't have scriptures to reference. Ten commandments weren't around in Abraham's day. Levitical law wasn't written. Remember, out of the 6,000 years from Adam till now, only about fourteen to 1,500 of those years were with the law. God is not a God who wants us to live under law. He's love. He wants us to walk in love and enjoy Him. Law was something that came into being because of the hardness of man's heart, right? And that law was to, to, to help us realize how much we need Him. That's all it was for. But it wasn't the answer. Law can't set you free. Love does, right? So Abraham, here's a man, God speaks to him. Let's go back there to Genesis uh, chapter 12. So we're leaning our entire personality on God. Let me ask you a question. What what effect does it have on your personality when you lean your entire personality on God? What's the effect of that? Total freedom. Total freedom. You become free to be yourself. I thought I was myself. Well, I'll tell you. You know, the world around us pressures us to be things we're not. And when you lean your whole self on Him, you you realize, wait, I'm free. I'm free to be me. I'm free to be myself. In 2018, the year of too much, it's time to be you. It's time to be the real you. You know, there's never been another you. We need you to be you. Because you're the only you that God ever made. And Satan hates you. Because inside of you are things that will set people free. But you've got to be free to be you so that the freedom and liberty inside of you and the gifts that God's put inside of you can come out and change the people around you. There's no struggle and stress to be you. I've never seen a, a fish trying to figure out how to swim. They just do it. Why? They're made to do it. What are you made to do? It's kind of funny. You and Genesis? We'll get there in a moment. God's given you a, an individual personality. It's kind of like my dog and my cat. Two different personalities. <laughs> Christmas is our dog's name and Tuesday is our cat's name. Because we got one on Christmas, the other on Tuesday, so... But Christmas and Tuesday usually sleep in the garage, and and Christmas is in her crate, and Tuesday does whatever he wants to do on a tractor or something. And uh, (laughs) so from day one, the way Christmas enters our house is full sprint. From day one, just down the mudroom hall, through the kitchen, into the living room, and then back. That's what she does. So whoever gets her in the morning goes out, lets her out of the crate. And, and she is just thrilled beyond measure to, to be there. And she's like, You're here. You're here. Okay, you're gonna pet me? We're we gonna go for a walk. What are we gonna do? Okay, you bring it up, boom. She sees us in the kitchen. I mean, full sprint immediately. First thing out of it, can you imagine waking up that way? Into the shop, downstairs. You know? But that's what she does. She's just, just full sprint. So here she is running the house, like, woo, let's go, let's go, go for a walk, feed me, do something, pet me, pet me all day, let's go. And then here comes Tuesday. What's up? Any food in my bowl? Oh, there's Christmas. And then Tuesday ducks under the chair to get out of Christmas's way. And I was kidding with the kids. I said, wouldn't it be funny if we switched their personalities? how weird would that be (laughs) but neither one of them are trying to be something they just that's just how they were made and god wants you to be free to just be you you don't have to be like other people you don't have to meet someone's expectation of you some people are talkative some people aren't some people like to sing some people don't you know it's all good be you. Amen. So leading your whole personality on the one who made you sets you free to be you. Yeah. Amen. Now we're in Genesis 12, and here's Abram at the time. God, God expanded, increased his name so he can get a picture of his destiny. He called him Abraham, father of many nations, exalted father. And keep in mind now, this is hundreds of years before the law. Let's understand what, kind of where he's coming from. And he's 75 years old at this time. And Joshua 24.2 tells us that Abram and his father worshipped other gods. So he had 75 years of misinformation, right, of falseness and of ungodly traditions and, and man's ideas and gods made out of wood and stone. And then God speaks to him. And he says to him, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house. I've got something much better for you. See, wooden stone's not going to cut it. False gods won't cut it. Religion won't help you. You need to taste and experience the the living God in your life each day. And if you're new here at Highway Church, we say this regularly. Jesus didn't come to establish your religion. He came to bring us into a taste-me-everyday relationship to experience me relationship. He says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. Not that that your culture has told you about, but I'm going to personally reveal the place I want you to be. And verse 2, he said, I'll make you a great nation. God's too much, isn't he? Wow, a nation. I'll, I will bless you. Two things he's going to do. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. Number three, and I'm going to make your name great. Is that too much or what? Number four, and you shall be a blessing. Remember Christmas and Tuesday? They're just being. You shall be a blessing. I'm going to transform you from depressed to overjoyed, from sick to whole, from poor to rich. From lacking to too much, you shall be. That little word be is a life changer. Be. You know what it means? It means occur. It means wherever you go, blessings will occur. It means to take place, that you're going to be a blessing taking place, that wherever you go, blessings will occur and take place. B means to occupy. It means the position you occupy. God said, I'm going I'm to turn you into a blessing and, and the position you occupy will be a position of blessing. It means having the state of, having the state of blessing. What state do you live in? Blessing. It's having the quality and identity of having the nature and role of. I'm going to change your nature. I'm going to change your role in the earth. You are now becoming a blessing because you're following me. I'm giving you a new identity, a new role, a new nature. To be is to represent. You're going to represent my love and goodness everywhere you go. To be is to signify. And to consist of, to constitute. You're going to be made of blessing. Your constitution will be blessing. You can't just read fast through the Bible. You look up those little words and let it soak in and grab a hold of what God's saying. One word from him will change you for the rest of your life. If you eat it. Verse 3. I will. He's still going. There's four things. He's still going. I will bless those who bless you. Wow. Curse those who curse you. And in you, here it is, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So So what's God's agenda? To bless everyone. He wants everyone to experience his love. John 3.16, right? God loved every family on earth so much he gave his only son so that they could experience him in you all the families of the earth. Now remember, Abraham's the father of our faith, right? And through Christ, we become Abram's seed. That means through Christ, God has made you a blessing. Your nature's been changed. Your identity's been changed. If you've put your faith in Jesus, how do you know if you're saved? How do you know if you belong to the Father? Is it a badge or a certificate? Is it what some pastor says? No, it's, it's in your own heart and with your own mouth. Have you in your own heart put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead for you? And you're the only one that can, that can answer that question. If you believe that, if you personally say, Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. I put my faith in you as the resurrected Savior. And then you open up your mouth and you say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. You're saved. From that moment on, whether any fireworks go off, whether you feel anything, something miraculous is taking place inside of you. And too often what we've done is we've looked with our five senses that determine what's, what God has done in our lives. But our five senses get tired. Our five senses can misinterpret something. There's a greater reality than your five senses can detect. It's the realm of the Spirit. And the greatest miracles, your greatest provision, your greatest answers are in the realm of the Spirit. So you've got to learn to know that if God said it, it's so in my life regardless of what I can see, taste, touch, hear, or smell. So if Jesus said in Romans, it says, if you confess Jesus as Lord of your life and you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you're saved, then it's true, whether I feel like it or not. I'm saved. My identity's changed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, Hebrews talks to us about Abraham. Let's go to Hebrews 11. We've been looking at these the last week or so. In verse 9 in chapter 11, and, you know, chapter 11 is that famous chapter that people often refer to as the Hall of Faith because you find a list of amazing things that people did simply by taking God at his word. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Sports figures are looking to get into their Hall of Fame. We're in the Hall of Faith, right? We, we want to be a living testimony of the resurrection power of Christ. So, so we're, we're determined to experience him in our personal lives. Right, So this hall of faith is still being written. By faith, he lived as an alien. By what's faith? Leaning his entire personality on God. Right. So by leaning his entire personality on God, he was set free to be the person God created him to be, and he lived as an alien in the land of promise. In other words, he realized that he was in the world, but he wasn't of it. He was an alien here. And it's the truth. We're aliens here. As in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Verse 10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What was Abraham looking for? What to say there? A city. Well, the, the Latin word for city comes from citizen. People. He was looking for people yes. built by God. Yes. Oh, that's yes. good. That's good. Yes. He was looking for a supernatural people that were made by God, who were not of this world. A community that he could fellowship with, that knew who they were, knew God as their father. Glory to God. What's 2 Corinthians 5:17 say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation, a new city, a new person. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I don't know. Maybe Abraham saw beyond the natural into a life where God and man would be reunited. He was looking ahead. What he was looking for wasn't in this world. In fact, it's an amazing thing. Jesus said something about Abraham. We can put that up there in John eight fifty six. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham, God gave Abraham a vision of the Messiah. What's this about the Messiah? What's, what's this whole Jesus thing about anyway? Abraham was looking for the manifestation of the promise of God. What was the promise of God? I want to bless every family on earth through you. Well, what does that mean? What's God's desire from the beginning? I want to live with you. I want to live in you. So how's he going to bless every family? I want to live in them. How are you going to bless it? I want to move in with them. I want to live inside of them. I want their heart and my heart to be one. Abraham's looking for the manifestation of this. Jesus is the Messiah. What's the purpose of the Messiah? The Messiah is, is to fulfill the promise of God, to make the union with God and man a reality. Are you following this? This is good. Hebrews chapter 11. I love how the Holy Spirit does this. Don't fall asleep on them. If you need to do a few jokes, come on. One, two, three. Four, five, okay. Hebrews 11, let's stay at 39. Everybody zip her up, Jen. Okay, very good. All, and all these, the, all these in the hall of faith have obtained a good testimony by leaning their entire personality on God. It's the good life. It's the super abundant life. But they did not receive the promise. Because they lived hundreds or thousands of years before the Messiah came. Right? Jesus wasn't physically on earth. Now, he did appear to Abraham in the person of Melchizedek and at other times. But he wasn't here as a man on earth yet. So all these people that are in the hall of faith, they didn't receive the promise. God having provided something. Go to the next verse. God having provided something better for who? For you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He provided something better for you. What? Union with God. I don't have to go anywhere to find God anymore. I have put my faith in Christ. I've opened up my mouth. I said, Jesus, you're my all and all and my Lord. And now he lives inside of me. Yeah, the search for God is over. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's over. He's right here now. He's inside of you if you believe. You're his house. We're his city. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God wants to bless the world through you. And he's given us this message that brings people into union with him. It's called reconciliation. The New Testament calls it. It's this message of reconciliation. It's not a message of condemnation. And if we were to take a poll of 100,000 people in America and say, what do you think of when you think of church? Reconciliation? Your heart being united with God's heart? Or condemnation? What do you think they'd say? Because that's been preached. That's right. The wrong message has been preached. Not the message of the Father. Are you telling me that a, that a, a minister... A pastor, a large church organization that's been established for hundreds of years can be preaching a message contrary to the message of the Father? Yes. It's been done handsomely by many over the centuries. And we've got to be aware of this. It's time to preach the right message. That God loves you and gave his son for you so that you could taste him every day. So that your heart and his heart could come together and never be separated again and you could realize how great love is. Amen. It's a message of reconciliation. Paul called it the gospel of God's grace. The gospel of God's grace in Acts chapter 10, 24. And that's what we're preaching here. That's why we started Highway Church. Because boy, there is such a need for a public place where people can come and hear the gospel of God's grace. Now, I said a crazy statement last week, and I'll say it again because I'm crazy. (laughs) To my knowledge, the gospel of God's grace has never been preached in New England like we're preaching it now. Let me give you some more examples of this. But I'm going to say this. The revelation yes. of God's grace has never been spreading more rapidly in the earth than it is now. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The grace of God is... The key that unlocks the door to the power and life of God. When you realize God did what He did just because He loves you and that you can't earn it, you don't have to do 107 things to get it, He gave it to you just like a father gives a child a gift. We've never once, after our kids opened Christmas presents, gave them a receipt and a bill. That'll be, you know, seven hundred dollars, please. Oh, that kind of put a little damper on the Christmas morning, wouldn't it? Hey, that yeah, that was seven fifty, so I expect that back with interest. But that's what people get when they come to church. You got to pay God back with interest. You got to get your life together. You're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. And that's a debt you can't pay back. Jesus already paid it. Can you imagine paying a debt that's already been paid? What would they do if you sent in a payment? Well, if they're they're honorable, they would tell you, you know what? You don't need to pay anymore. It's paid. People should find out their debts have been paid when they come to church. Glory to God. I hope you're awake. I hope you're grabbing a hold of this. God loves you so much. Your debts have been paid. Now, It's fun to, I like studying history. I don't like studying history through a historian. Because oftentimes what historians write is their own opinion, and it's twisted and tainted. What I like to do is read, if possible, read what that person wrote in their own memoirs or diaries, autobiographies, or or primary sources. So reading through the history of New England, it's, it's pretty amazing. And we know, you know, the, 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 the United States had its beginnings here. But I'll tell you, if you study the history from the resurrection of Jesus till now, you look in the book of Galatians. If you get a chance, read Galatians this week. Wow, it's a great book. But here we have, you know, uh, maybe, what, 30 years after Jesus rose? I don't remember the date of Galatians. But, you know, not, not long you know, it's just a, maybe a two, three decades, and all, already they're fighting and telling people, you're not saved. Right, right. You haven't been circumcised. You haven't obeyed the law. And Paul, man, he comes right out and says, what, what happened to you? Who bewitched you? Why are you believing these dark things? We're justified by faith in what Christ has done for us. And, 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 the, and they were saying, you broke the Sabbath, and this is a holy day, and you can't do this on that day, and you have to do this on that day. Yeah. I grew up in a church like that. Right. I didn't even know all the rules. There are too many. Right. I just gave up. <laughs> I mean, there are volumes and volumes of them, and I'm just simply not going to take the time to study them. I want to watch cartoons and eat cereal or do something. <laughs> worth it. You know? <laughs> So Bridgewater, we've got a get-together coming up in Bridgewater. And in uh, 1717, there was a minister who was installed there. And uh, one of the things that he did is he preached on the evils of sin, which doesn't help anybody. These were his messages. He preached on the evils of sin, and one of the quotes from his mouth was he, he had a fear that the abuse of rum would become the ruin of that location, of that town, that region. So you're coming to church. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Here's someone who should know how good God is. And he's opening up his mouth preaching the evils of sin and that that alcohol is going to be the death and ruin of this region. Woo! Let's go to church, right? (laughs) Hot dog. (laughs) Preach it. No! No! He's speaking for something into the land he lives in. I declare that, that drug usage will be destroyed in this region. Alcoholics set free, drug addicts set free. In the name of Jesus Christ, not by might, not by power, but by God's Spirit in Jesus' name. Bridgewater free from drugs, Taunton free from drugs, free from alcohol, walking in the love and liberty of Jesus Christ. Rainham, Fall River, New Bedford, Dartmouth, Boston, Providence, Worcester, Cape Cod, free in Jesus' name. Now, there was an established church here in New England. You know, there were basically, well, we could, three, we'll say three major groups. You had the, you know, had the Church of England. You had the separatists who broke away from that. You had the Puritans who were trying to purify that. And uh, what's the other one I was thinking of? Separatists. All oh, the nonconformists, yeah. So you had this established church, and they would punish people here, right here, in Boston, for... If they thought they broke the Sabbath, just like Galatians, right? This is where our church history here in New England, punishing, preaching sin. And in fact, uh, one, I, mean, I won't say their names, and we're not putting people down. They, the, you know, there were, there were hundreds of years where people had no access to the word of God. It was shut up from people. It wasn't translated into their language. They weren't allowed to read it. They couldn't read about the New Testament and what God did for them through Jesus. But one of the things, one, one group said, you can't do this on the Sabbath. The other group said, well, we want to do this on the Sabbath. So the, the one group said, well, this is how we're going to, we're not going to have any holidays. We're not going to do Christmas. We're not going to do anything that the Church of England or the Roman Church did. And instead, what we're going to do is we're going to devote this day to prayer Thinking on sin, mm-hmm. this is what they did, and work. Right. Okay, no holiday. We're gonna th- our, our prayer is going to be meditating on the effects of sin. Right. That's why people were so cranky. <laughs> yeah, that's why churches were not a friendly place. <laughs> yeah. you know, but you, you go ahead and meditate on the effects of sin, and you'll go nowhere but down. Right. Sin is a horrible thing, but we're free from it. Glory to God. I'll share one thing with you. Boy, there's so much here. Give you an example. Well, let's see here. Let me make sure we have time. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. So reflecting on sin, what's wrong with that? What you reflect on, you end up doing, right? So if you're having challenges with sin, I mean, welcome to planet Earth, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But how do you whip that thing? You take your focus off of that thing, you put on the one who loves you, right? You begin to focus on how much God loves you and what he's already done for you through Christ. You put your focus on who you are now in him. That's not me anymore. I'm a new creation. That's in my rearview mirror. And it's never coming back, right? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. It's a message of reconciliation. Let's do this. Let's get into 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. This is relationship with the real Jesus. Jesus. Verse 14, if the love of Christ isn't what's moving you, you're moved by the wrong thing. This is the only motive that will serve you well, that will encompass every dimension of your being. It's Christ's love. For Christ's love compels us. Hmm. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced, we know this, we're certain, we're sure, we're convinced, that he died for everybody, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So if Christ's love becomes your motivation, it will absolutely transform the way you live. Living for yourself is a draining way to live. It'll wear you out. It'll wear other people out around you. Because when you start living yourself for yourself, you want others to start living for yourself, for you, right? That's how, that's how selfishness is. It's never satisfied. I want so-and-so to do this for me. I want so-and-so to acknowledge this in my life. I want so-and-so to to say they're sorry for that. I want them to apologize for this. I want them to say that. I want them to do this for me. I want them to pay me back for that. That's living for yourself. But now, because we've realized how much God loves us, we're not living for ourselves anymore. We're living to experience Him. I just keep going back to the Patriots have you seen the Time versus Tom on Facebook Watch? Have you guys seen it? These little videos that are being done on Tom, Brady, and uh, I like some of the things I hear him saying. One of the things he said is that I don't need, because obviously he's been criticized and accused of different things, and people saying different things about him. And um, he he says, well, people will will, will say whatever they want to say. He said, but I don't need an external motivation. He said, what's inside of me is motivation enough. And that's true of us. We don't need others to say and affirm us. Although it's nice when they do, but don't depend on that. Because the love of Christ inside of us is more than enough. So from now on, we regard no one. And it sets us free to love others who may not love us, who don't affirm us, who've mistreated us right? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. That's verse 16, I think, guys. Now, let's read verse 14 out of the West. I like this. The West New Testament. For the love which Christ has presses on me from all sides, (laughs) holding me to one end, and prohibiting me from considering any other, considering any other, not interesting. The love of Christ has—wait, excuse me—for the love of Christ, for the love which Christ has, presses on me from all sides, holding me to one to one end, and prohibiting me from considering any other. Wrapping itself around me in tenderness. giving me an impelling motive. Impel, propel. Those words are connected. You know what a propeller does? It moves a plane forward or a boat or whatever, right? A propeller causes us to move forward and the love of Christ is the internal propeller that moves us into the destiny of our lives. This tenderness of God. God wrapping him, his arms around me in tenderness, the love of Christ pressing on me from all sides, holding me to one hand, prohibiting me from considering another, impels me. And it's brought me to this conclusion, namely, that one died on behalf of all, and therefore all died. Let's look at these same verses in the Living Bible. Verse 14. Whatever we do, it is certainly not for our own profit. But because Christ's love controls us now. Hmm. Since we believe that Christ died for all of us, we should also believe that we have died to the old life we used to live. He died for all so that all who live, having received eternal life from him, might live no longer for themselves to please themselves. Yourself is never going to be pleased with yourself. So just quit trying. The only satisfaction yourself is going to find is the love of Christ. But to spend their lives... What happens when you spend your money, you give it for something else, right? We're spending our lives at Highway Church. We've given our lives so that we can get something else. What is that? More Jesus, others experiencing him. Amen. I'm not doing what I necessarily want to do. It wasn't on my radar to start a new church in New England. Paul said something very important he said if I preach the gospel willingly then there's a reward for me but if I preach it unwillingly a dispensation has been entrusted to me when you choose to spend yourself from him you see things very differently you enter into a dispensation of the grace of God and you make decisions for very different reasons To spend their lives pleasing Christ, who died and rose again. Did I skip a verse? 16. Let's go to 16. He died for all so that all who live, having received eternal life from him, it's a done deal, might live no longer for themselves. Oh, we read that. But to spend their lives pleasing God, pleasing Christ, who died and rose again for them. We're not trying to please him to get to heaven. Our goal is not heaven, right? Heaven's our home. We're from there now. We're born of Christ, in other words, we're pleasing because we just love Him. And when you love someone, you want to make them happy, right? So stop evaluating others. Verse sixteen. <laughs> stop evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Oh man! If we just take God at His word, people would be changed just by meeting us and talking with us stop evaluating others by what the world thinks about them or by what what they seem to be like on the outside. And that's what religion does. It creates a a model you have to fit in. And so everyone who's under that religious model carries this around with them and they meet you and they hold it up and say, okay, do they fit? Um, You don't fit. You have to change this and this and this and then you'll fit. Okay Jesus says, "Come to me right now, just like you are. Yes, yes. Come on, just come. Let me show you how much I love you. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, merely as a human being like myself, how differently I feel now. Let's do one more, the Phillips New Testament, verse 14. At any rate, there has been no selfish motive. The very spring of our actions is the love of Christ. We look at it like this. If one died for all men, then in a sense, they all died. Verse 15, and his purpose in dying for them is that their lives should now be no longer lived for themselves But for him who died for them and rose again for them. Verse 16, this means that our knowledge of men, people, can no longer be based on their outward lives. Indeed, even though we knew Christ as a man, we do not know him like that any longer. For if a man is in Christ, here it is, verse 17, God's dream, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Everything. All this is God's doing. For he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he has made us agents of the reconciliation. Wow. You're God's secret agent. God was in Christ personally reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their sins against them. And he has commissioned us with the message. Have you been commissioned? In the military you can be commissioned to be an officer and a leader. Well, God has commissioned you to be his agent, to be his vehicle of change in the earth. And that what brings about that change is, is this message you carry that God loves you. He put all of your sins on his son. And through simple faith in him, he makes you new. And he's commissioned us with the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. We are now Christ's ambassadors. I had the privilege when I uh, lived overseas of uh, performing and playing for ambassadors from different countries. And there' was a lot of people around ambassadors, and there's a lot of protocol, because they were important people. They weren't living in their country, but they represented their country. And the people in that country knew that if they wanted a good relationship with a country, the ambassador represented them, they needed to have a good relationship with the ambassador. They're important people. You're an, important, you're an ambassador of heaven yes. in earth. Do you see yourself that way? And the only way people are going to know how much God loves them is by meeting one of his ambassadors. So there's a lot going on around God's ambassadors. There's a lot, uh, uh, whether you realize that there are people that God is trying to bring into your life and Satan's trying to keep them from getting to you. He's trying to get you mad and upset with people because you've got the message of reconciliation inside of you. We're now Christ's ambassadors as though God were appearing direct. Direct TV, direct Jesus. Direct to you through us as his personal representatives. Wow. This is real life. We say make your peace with God. Message translation, of verse 20, we're almost done. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. God's mission of reconciliation. We're speaking to Christ, we're speaking for Christ Himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. God called Abraham his friend. Last verse, verse 21 in the Phillips, For God caused Christ, who himself knew nothing of sin, actually to be sin for our sakes, so that in Christ we might be made good with the goodness of God. How good are you? I'm good with the goodness of God. Of God, as good as God is good. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word that's come forth. Lord, thank you for this time of worship and experiencing you. Thank you for your healing power that doesn't get weak, that doesn't go away, that abides in us permanently. Lord, we thank you for for delivering and, and setting free and for taking us higher in you. We are propelled, compelled moved inspired by your love for us lord we thank you for um, speaking to our hearts about our relationship with you and about anything that we can do to foster and and promote the message of reconciliation in, in this group of believers here lord we ask you to build these teams so that we can grow and expand and accommodate more people so that more people can come and be blessed and their lives be changed by your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.